Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and arrive at episode number 337. Above all, it's kind. Just that. Just kind. Do you see this face? This is the face that didn't listen to a word you said. I have kids, so I always get a face that never listens to a word I just said. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm very good. I think you should start us out. Um, <laughs> what'd you do this week, Keith? We had a baby. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, if you. Hopefully you saw our Facebook post, but Gemma Ainsley was born July 2nd after 11 hours, nearly 11 hours of labor. So we went in to be induced. So we went in at 7 a.m. Things really started going more at 9. They broke her water at noon and then... Nothing really happened. She got the epidural and things kept going. And there was a one moment where she switched positions and we kind of lost her heartbeat a little bit. So we switched the sensors uh, to monitor her more closely. And then the doctor, she wasn't dilating. She wasn't dilating. And the doctor thought the baby was in, a, in there kind of cockeyed. So... We, okay, so how do you fix that? Well, she's not low enough yet for me to try to rotate anything. So you just got to flip and move and move. We flipped one time and the heart rate dropped. We decided to go C-section uh, during that one. The doctor, we were she was going to come in at 7.30 to talk to us about, okay, do we want to try to keep going or are we going C-section? And like 7.10, 7.15 was the, the flip and the distress issue. She came in at 7.20 and said, okay, well, what do you want to do? Let's go C-section. All right. 7.58, she was born. So we were right back there and through. And she was perfect and healthy. She just was facing the wrong direction. She was, fa- her, so she's supposed to be born with her back out to the world. She was face up to the world. So that was the issue. So she wasn't dropping and lowering because she wasn't rotated correctly. But she was healthy. There's a APGAR test. I can't remember what APGAR stands for. Uh, but it's testing of blueness and lungs and all that. She scored nines across the board. Hardy scream as soon as she came out. Uh, eight pounds, five ounces. So she was bigger than what, she th- what they thought. 13-inch round head. 13-inch round chest. 13-inch round belly, so she was going to be a little, uh, would have been a struggle to get through (laughs) Sarah, because she's a bit narrower than that, so, yeah, but perfect and healthy, and she's passed every single test they've thrown at her so far. Good deal. Well, she's adorable. Thank you. We're very, very smitten. (laughs) (laughs) But needless to say, we also had a few very, very little sleep nights. Uh, (laughs) It was a little rough, but things have stabilized, and we are over the moon in love. Congratulations. Thank you. To both of you. And Mom's doing well as well. Just yes, so she's doing well. Well, I'm glad everything came out Thank okay. You. And She's only lost 6% of her body weight so far, and up to 10 is perfectly normal and healthy. So we were really worried that a lot of her newborn clothes were not going to fit her. <laughs> <laughs> 
luckily they do for the most part. We obviously haven't had a chance to try everything on. Uh, but unfortunately, she has my big head. <laughs> and some of the hats we have bought her don't fit. Ah. So, including one of the ones that Sarah knit for her. Oh. Which, it was big enough to fit for photos. It just won't fit if she's moving around. Yeah. So, we did get some pictures with her on, in it. So, that made Sarah happy. Good. We didn't do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> didn't have time for anything else. <laughs> well, I take that back. We did finish season one of Lost by the time uh, before she came. So... Good season. Yeah. Sarah's been enjoying it. Yeah, no, season one's good. What have you guys been doing? Not much. We you celebrated. You guys have a good fourth? We had to work on the fourth, so we celebrated the fourth on Sunday at my parents. Went over for dinner and did some fireworks. And then uh, I went over. They, they went back on the fourth of July, and after I got off work at 930, I went and watched my niece and nephew shoot off fireworks with the rest of the family, so... That's pretty much it. I watched um, John Adams, the miniseries on the uh, HBO. What'd you think? I watched all of that. It's, it's quite enjoyable. It's quite enjoyable. There's a lot of things I knew about him. I didn't realize how tre- how tumultuous his presidency was mm, and yeah. how he yeah. really didn't feel like he got anything accomplished. But Paul Giamatti just killed it. Yeah, he was spot on. Oh, and I loved uh, was it Tom Wilkinson, Ben Franklin. Yes. Oh, man, he, he was, was amazing. And then uh, Stannis Baratheon. Is- yeah. Yes, Jefferson, stand, absolute stand Incredible, yeah. incredible performance by him. He even looks like him. He does look like him. They kept showing pictures that I presumed were actual, like, copies of the original mm-hmm. portraits and stuff, and I kept looking at him going, wow, that was the best <laughs> casting. Although I thought uh, they made Tom Wilkinson look remarkably like Ben Franklin, too. Yeah, so. yeah. Seeing how you read the Hamilton book, was that because, was Hamilton what spurred you to finally go and watch it? Maybe a little bit. I was always around the 4th of July. I indulge in okay. those kind of things, and I hadn't seen any of the John, well, it's, that's not true. I started watching the John Adams oh, okay. uh, series a year or two back, I think right after it came out, and uh, only ever got through the first one, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Um, this was my second viewing of the first episode. Um, and then on uh, Saturday night, we watched the Patriot because hmm. Caitlin hadn't seen it. She's she's really getting into early revolution history because uh-huh. because of Hamilton. Yeah. So she's more so <laughs> than 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 me because like I say every time this time of year I always get into it. And then I saw Sean pop on last night, popped in uh, 1776, and I said, "Oh, I haven't done that either." So I I actually got two thirds of the way through it before I fell asleep. <laughs> I was just wiped out. So I didn't quite get through 1776 this year, but I got a good chunk of it in. I'll be honest, I was struggling because we started it. I actually started it first thing. I kind of warned everybody because for me, 1776, that's my that's my go-to fourth movie. And instead, every year we watch Independence Day and, you know, we watch all the other. And so this year we had watched Independence Day for Flicks with Friends. I got that one out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> so then I was like, I'm watching this. I'm going to be up early. I'm going to watch my movie. And I warned everybody. So I popped it in, and then people came over. And, of course, I couldn't hear it. So I stopped. <laughs> and then Julian and Corey showed up, and we had a lull. So I put it in and was watching. And Julian was watching with me. And then it got to the point where we couldn't hear it, so I stopped it. And Julian was like, hey, I was watching. That. <laughs> we'll come back to it when we can hear it. And Corey's not a musical or a comedy fan, so it's kind of lost on her altogether. <laughs> so we switched over to The Patriot and watched it earlier in the day. <laughs> we 
barbecued and uh, played some Ticket to Ride and just just kind of low-key forth. We had one little bag of fireworks um, that we set off. There's one. It's called Shush. It's made by Black Cat, of all people. It's <laughs> kind of a big canister thing. You mean the ones with the loudest firecrackers? No yeah. noise. Wow. It's just fountains and sparks and pretties. Huh. Made no whistles, no pops, no anything. Which wow. Mel appreciates because she doesn't like the. the or oh, we're going to buy that next year. Yeah, it was, uh, and it, and it ran for like a minute forty-five. Oh wow! For like a thirteen-dollar thing, it was pretty cool. So that's not too bad. There, there's your shopping tip for yeah for this year. <laughs> well, because she'll be one year old by then, and probably not like the loud noises, but like the pretty lights. And that's the way I was. She was fascinated with anything that was sparkly. But he doesn't uh, like the noises either. So after everything was all all f- done with, Mel goes, "You gonna you gonna finish your movie?" And I said, "Yes, I am." <laughs> so I went. I, it was twelve thirty. I was like, "I don't care. I'm finishing this stupid thing." So. Well, I started it at twelve thirty. So okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's part of the reason I fell asleep. But I it was a complete. I had intended to watch it this year because as I was leading up the fourth, but I had watched so much John Adams, and then we watched The Patriot, and then I, I just it kind of got slipped to the back burner and. Then when you posted on Facebook that you're watching, I was like, I need to watch that. So I popped it in. I meant to actually, because I, I own John Adams and haven't watched all of it yet. I've only seen, kind of like you, I've just seen a little bit of the beginning part. So I meant to watch it this year. And then I've also got the um, Sons of Liberty. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've, I've got that on my to Netflix queue, too. And just haven't got around to it yet. But we've got so much on our plates with other things that we're working on and some podcast homework. It was kind of like I just didn't get a jump <laughs> on anything else. Mel and I got to sneak out today, and we went and saw Baby Driver. How is it? It's amazing. Edgar Wright has yet to make a bad film. You would love it. I don't know about you. Is it very I Edgar Wright? It's very Edgar Wright. I have no it's desire to see it. So oh, well, then, if yeah. it weren't Edgar Wright, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't have. It just Although it has a stellar cast. When I first heard a Baby Driver, and I went, meh. But then it was like, oh, Kevin Spacey's in this. Oh, so and so. Look at the people are in it. Oh, it's an Edgar Wright film. Then I got interested. And Sarah likes the the kid from Fault in Our Stars and all that other oh, stuff. Legion is that the one he was in the Divergent series? Yeah, she didn't watch that one, but yeah. no, it was really really good. And it's very um, it's very kinetic. I mean, there's just I think probably for the first first hour there may not be a static camera shot. Wow, he's constantly just it's 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 a gorgeous movie. Nice, it's really good. We're recording a little late this week. It's Keith's fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I gave blessing to record early without me, and you guys just couldn't find the time. <laughs> we couldn't. We've been so busy this weekend. Let's move on to some news. What's in the news? So there's a quite a bit of news coming out about the Christmas special coming up already. Of course, the big news, as seen at the end of the episode. So if you have not watched The Doctor Falls, spoiler alert. Because we're going to talk about it this this episode. And we're going to talk about this part early. David Bradley is returning in his role as the first Doctor to play or in the Christmas special. Now, is it fair to say he's returning as the first Doctor since This is true. Technically, he's, he's never... Re- well, he played a, William Hartnell playing been, the first Doctor. So, yeah, he's returning to the first Doctor. He's returning to the William Hartnell character of the first Doctor. How about that? He played... He wasn't scenes in, as the first doctor in Adventures in Time and Space, right. even though he's acting as an actor, acting as the character, but he still played the first doctor as he was playing William Hartnell. So, yeah, it's returning to the first doctor. <laughs> Perfectly fine. Okay. <laughs> if, if the semantic guy is okay with it, I'm all right with it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> this is his first time playing it in something that's 
canon. Yes. In universe. And the third actor to play the role of the first Doctor. And the first time we well on screen three actors play a Doctor on screen. On screen. <laughs> I, I'm excited about it. I'm too. I'm not happy with how the BBC handled it again. So, I it was rumored so early on. N- not even that. I it was not. It's partially my fault because I got on social media before the episode had, fu- had oh, fully aired. Did the BBC? The BBC released the image of the two of them saying he's back at Christmas. Was it before it aired in here the UK, or in, there? It, before it aired here. Oh. So it didn't. They did not give U.S. listeners a chance. Viewers. Or viewers. Listeners too. <laughs> Don't ignore the blind. <laughs> Shame on you. They did not give U.S. viewers a chance to see the episode before, and it wasn't like it was being hidden in links. It was just out was there just out as there. an image and the headlines, and it's it'd be one thing if it was a website that I follow on Facebook that said that did it and spoiled it in a horrible way that they shouldn't. It's another thing if it's the, where it's coming from. If it's the, the BBC. That's my biggest gripe with it. So I saw that before I watched the episode and I didn't know how it was going to end, but I knew what was going to happen at the end. I also got spoiled on it quite accidentally because I'm very social media conscious on Saturdays. So am I. And I think this might have even been a Twitter one. I wasn't expecting it to, you know, I had to jump on for something. And then I went, <clears throat> and, oh. Well, and I was trying to keep track of when it was airing. And it, it hasn't been airing consistently, as far as I can tell, at least. And as a viewer from the U.S., trying to keep track of when it's airing to when to avoid Facebook. And so far this season, I think it's been doing... They Everyone's been doing a great job of not letting anything go out in headlines or in pictures until the episode airs in the U.S. And this time they... So that's why I felt a little safe getting on Facebook, even though I could see it... If I saw a Doctor Who headline, I could just scroll through it quickly and not see anything. But this sort of thing is almost, I, in my opinion, unacceptable. That's me. I didn't see it ahead of time, so I... So Glenn doesn't have an issue. No, I mean... <laughs> did, you, did you know? That no. It was, no. Well, Keith and I discussed it a month or two ago when I that said that there was a rumor and, and that he was coming back, and I thought, oh, that I'd love that. If that were to happen, that would be wonderful. Yeah. And then you had pointed me to something that had already debunked it, and I thought, okay, well, no big deal. Oh, I don't so remember that. <laughs> that was in the back of my mind early on, but then I had completely forgotten about it. Now, so I was genuinely surprised. I don't. I think you guys are right to be upset about that, especially since you got spoiled by it. But on the flip side of that, I, I'm on that. You know, we just live in the internet era, guys. If, I know. And if it's if it has aired in the UK, it's to me it's fair game for them. I don't. I don't think they need. I know it's a worldwide audience, but I just don't feel like anybody should be beholden to. I mean, they want to get that information out to their viewers because they're the ones that pay for. The BBC over there, I think that's fine to start marketing that, and you just got to realize it's a global network, and that's I, I avoided Facebook all day long. I didn't even get on there. I didn't even do anything because I didn't want to be spoiled on that last episode. Because this happened to me before. I've seen stuff yeah. posted from the UK. I agree with you in in theory. I up to a point, 
I, I totally take the blame. It was my fault. Yeah. I shouldn't have been yeah, on I... there because I don't want to be spoiled, and I was. But I also I see where Keith's coming from. Where it's like you're you're promoting the Christmas special in July. You know, that's a little and, early, and it's kind of to try and drum it's up pretty, excitement. And okay, you watch. There's no question he's going to be in the Christmas episode when you watch the episode. You don't need to have a big announcement a minute after the episode airs, ends airing, saying he's going to be there. That's pretty obvious to anyone who watched the episode. It also isn't very beneficial to UK people who are watching on the iPlayer delayed. Right. It's it's clickbait. That's 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 my. The problem is is it's it's true. <laughs> well, and I I also I've. It's going to wind up. I think costing the BBC and Doctor Who Facebook pages and possibly Instagram losing likes and follows. I last season unfollowed the BBC America Instagram account because they were live Instagramming episodes and I hadn't seen them yet. So if they do, I understand why they want to do this thing, but they shouldn't be surprised either if they start losing followers by putting things out like this. That's me. It's just me, though. Well, that's a valid response. I mean, if you know that you either don't have BBC America or and I don't you're want not to going to get to it until... It, I'm going to you know, unfollow. That, that's that's on you to take yourself out of that loop and, and do that. And like I said, I mean, if you're doing a live pairing with it, again, that's part of, as Glenn said, we live in the Internet age. That's yeah. how they're going to promote the show. And I did, I did not begrudge them doing that because... It was going on live, and if I were watching it live, I might have gotten on and enjoyed that. Right, exactly. It just meant, okay, I'm going to unfollow them until the season is over. It just means I have to take myself out of that equation mm-hmm. so that I'm not spoiled on it. But it's the other pieces, like the other bit of news that I think we're going to touch on. Go ahead, Sean. Go start on that one. Uh, the BBC also announced this week that a certain companion is coming back for Christmas. Care to guess who? Susan? No. That's not River. No, think more oh, recent. Oh, thank goodness. More recent than River? Yeah. Yep. Bill? No. Amy? More and recent than Clara? Amy. Yes. Oh. Jenna Coleman is returning to the show for the Christmas special. Well, that'd be neat. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong with that? I mean, I know you didn't. You weren't a Coleman fan, but what's As, wrong, what's wrong with I've, him announcing that? I aside guess from the fact I'm, that I personally have been really soured on Clara of late, and I just I don't need her to come back, I don't want that announcement. It's July. First of all, it's too soon. I don't care. And especially if it's going to be like a Karen Gillian appearance, in, which is what I expect. It's going to be like a Karen Gillian appearance oh, in it. Time if of the they, Doctor. If they got her and they're announcing it now, it's a big role. You think it's a big role? Yeah. Which, okay, could go either way. If now, now that we've established that David Bradley's playing the first Doctor, it totally kind of makes sense that you would bring Clara in from a plot standpoint because well she's met him but that still seems like a plot thread that I would like to see developed as I'm watching the episode versus being hit over the head with it hey John Sims coming back it's the same kind of look at us promoting ourselves that I just feel eh but it's also I mean I don't want to bag on on, on Jenna Coleman because she's a very lovely uh, individual she was very uh, polite and kind and nice uh, to wonderful to talk to I'm just not a fan of her character anymore. I'm kind of over and done with that. And we've had such a great run with Bill that bringing her back is kind of like, uh, I mean, it just, 
Yeah, of course. I feel a little soured on Moffat, even. It's like, what else did I expect for the Christmas special? Well, I don't know. Since Clara spent so much time with 12 before she left, I think it seems fitting to me that she would come back for his last story. I'm in the same boat with you, Glenn. I'm not as negative about this aspect of it. I, I'm not surprised by it either. It's okay. Yeah, it's going to... I don't. We honestly don't know the role. If it is big, fine. If it's not, fine too. Um, it's his swan song. He should... It's not going to be the big going away scene of end of time. So <laughs> that brings the, up another thought. The parade of goodbyes. On. So I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, we got we, gotta, we can at least be thankful for that. Um, I mean, that brings up another thought, but I'll hold on to it until later when we get into our discussion of the episode proper. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not wowed. <laughs> I just wasn't surprised. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm actually mildly excited now, <laughs> and I'm just learning that now. <laughs> So way to go, BBC Casting. Good job, BBC Casting. Who <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be an interesting episode. Uh, our other bit of news this week comes from our good Hang friends. On, wait, no, okay. No, we're going to step away from that yet. <laughs> let, me, let me put this back out there and hopefully bring, it, bring the spirits back up. The 12th Doctor and the 1st Doctor are going to have an adventure together. Yes. Yeah. Let's go back to the real news of this. That's the most awesome thing. Agreed. And we'll talk more about that on our review. <laughs> okay, now we move on. Maybe it'll be awesome. I'll talk more about it in the review. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll be awesome. Okay. Candy Jar Books announced Havoc Files 4. Yay. Yay. Contains. I'm still not quite done with Havoc Files 3, <laughs> but I'm getting there. Here's a spoiler warning for you. I'm not in this one. <laughs> <laughs> this contains. Guess what? I am. No, I <laughs> I'd be the and biggest. Keep, of, and then keeps doing Havoc Files 5. <laughs> Actually, you guys both still have characters. You may be in this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, well, that's true. So Havoc Files 4 contains three short stories previously available in digital format, released early this year, plus five brand new stories, including the final part of the three-part novella, The Lost Skin. Yay! Yeah, that wasn't... I haven't, I haven't read it yet. Or I have, I started it. I haven't read it. But when I was perusing through Havoc Files three, realizing that there's yet another <laughs> episode, and you're killing me. I'm glad it's only a three part story. It could have been four. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I suppose. You have to wait around for Havoc Files. I should be five. grateful for that. So the stories included are the Contented Mind by Wink Taylor. The Runaway Bomb by Nick Walters, which was a digital release. United in Blood by Mark Jones, also a digital release. The Cruel Oil by Harry Draper. All the King's Men by Allison Leeds. The Great Magician and the Spirits of the Vasty Deep by Gareth Madwick. The Slow Invasion by Andrew Allen. The Two Brigadiers by Jonathan Mako, a previous digital release, so that's coming later. And The Lost Gen. Episode 3. Available to be pre-ordered now. And I think they've already sold half of their numbers already, if I saw that right. I saw that too, yeah, today. So, you better hurry if you want this. Awesome news. Uh, and I don't know if we knew that Havoc Files 3 is now a digital offering. If you did not get a physical copy, you can now get Havoc Files 3 for Kindle. Excellent. I didn't know that. Of course, 1 and 2 are also available. Excellent. Let's move on to feedback. So, listeners, if you haven't clued in on this, we're keeping our voices a little bit more subdued and a little quieter so we don't disturb Gemma because we're recording at my house this week. 
So if some of our excitement levels or volume levels seem subdued, that's why. She seems like a heavy sleeper right now, so <laughs> knock on wood. Uh, I was about to knock on the table. You're welcome, Sean. I didn't I do that. I appreciate that. I'll do it. <laughs> really? <laughs> I love that you're recording now. <laughs> so would, you like, would you like me to set up a fan and get some potato chips? <laughs> <laughs> you bet. <laughs> First up in feedback is Scott. Scott writes, Bill, Bill, Bill. Sigh. Hello, Kansas crew. I feel kind of in shock, and it's been two days since I watched Saturday's episode. From the start, we wondered about Bill's fate, but never this. With a final part to go, I know it's possible something better will happen to her. Only Perry suffered a worse fate, no matter which way that story ended. I don't know, I think it'd be kind of cool to be married to Brian Blessed. (laughs) Dramatically, the story was amazing. I hope many people talk about it. What troubles me is, I googled how many lesbian characters died last year on TV. Ten. Aside from all variety of networks and shows. I'm a straight man, and I find that disturbing. That it happened to a character who quickly became a fan favorite. Well, I see the dramatic punch, but if this was the plan from the start, and given all the time there was to plot this season, it feels like a bad choice. I'm sounding like a Moffat hater when this has been one of my favorite eras. Ending seasons 5 and 6 with weddings was such a great change. Now as I think about it, almost all the companions in Moffat's era have been killed. Two during the Capaldi era turned into Cybermen. I'm counting Downey, not the Brig. I don't even try thinking about that. (laughs) There's still one more part to be played, lots of timey-wiminess with Missy and the Master, and the Doctor regenerating. I hope Moffat sticks the landing. Look out, Nardle. You guys take care. Scott from Philly. Did we preference that with this feedback came in last week prior to this week's episode? We did not. And we didn't get it on. So, yes. yeah. So Why did you preface case, that? In case you're confused, listeners, that email actually <laughs> came to us between the last two parts of this yes. season. We just happened to get it after we had recorded. But he did send up a follow-up for the Dr. Falls. Nardle lives. Hello, Kansas crew. Let me start off by saying I feel better about this week's story. Not great, but better. There was much more of Bill than I expected, and I loved how they switched the point of view from how she saw herself and how others saw her. It was comforting to see Pearl Mackey. I wonder if she was actually playing the cyber version too. Her reunion with the pilot? I'll come back to that. Missy and the Master, the next spin-off! They were great together, and the Master's attraction to Missy was hilarious. This was not a story where Michelle Gomez's zaniness fit, so she turned it down, and Sims got to be the better version of his character than the one from End of Time. Killing each other? Great. Stabbing slash shooting each other in the back? Perfect. Nardle doesn't just survive, he gets to be a hero. I wonder if he's officially the longest-serving companion. His character was a great foil to Capaldi, and I wonder if we'll ever see those survivors again. Okay, Capaldi. I think what will best define his doctor are what he seemed to lack his first season, his compassion and empathy. You could always see in his eyes how sincerely he wanted Missy to change, to save Bill, to do the right thing, because it's the right thing. This story should rank up there with the Caves of Adrazani. At the same time, 
he was more willing to die and stay dead than go through another life, more life and losing people. I think his I don't want to go is more about getting off the Time Lord carousel, just ending his being. Okay, so how do I feel about the ending? What I hoped for was for Missy to get back to the Doctor, they're dying together, and somehow affecting each other's regeneration, maybe getting a glimpse of the next Doctor. Having the pilot return to save Bill was the setup of the start of the season, but it didn't have the emotional punch I wanted. Could she have saved Bill at any time during the rest of the series? Still, I'm not going to complain about having a happy ending. Okay, overall it was a great season, and looking forward to some Christmas happiness. Take care and enjoy your American Brexit weekend. <laughs> Scott from <laughs> Philadelphia. <laughs> and Scott writes a third time, one more thing. Rachel Talley is one of the best Doctor Who directors ever. Here, here. Here, here. Agreed there. Thank you, Scott. Thanks, Scott. Good to hear from you. Up next in feedback is Holly. Holly writes, The Fall of the Doctor. Hey guys, wow, what a season ender. I don't even know where to start. Some of the standout scenes for me were those between Missy and the Master and the Doctor's speech that he gave to both of them. And Bill, man, I really, really enjoyed her character. She gets a happy ending in the unhappy way for the rest of us. Here's hoping later on down the line we'll get some big finish audios with her and them. And the ending, the feels, and is it Christmas yet? Can the BBC take a page out of the U.S. channels and do a Christmas in July and air the Christmas special at the end of the month? I think I'm hearing crickets on that one. (laughs) I can't wait until December. (sighs) It's been a great run with Capaldi, and I'm looking forward to finding out who will be the next Doctor and which Mr. Chimnall will bring to the mix. I'll wrap it up here. Holly from Wisconsin. Thank you, Holly. Thank you, Holly. I concur with all of your sentiments. Up next in feedback is Rachel. She writes, Tears for Days. Hello, Vortex Gang. Now that I picked myself up off the floor, let's jump straight into my review of The Doctor Falls. Wow, wow, wow. I'm still trying to process what I saw, but here here goes. Amazing performances from Peter Capaldi, Pearl Mackey, Michelle Gomez, Matt Lucas, and John Sim. Gomez and Sim playing off one another was amusing and disturbing all at the same time. Missy's obvious struggle with wanting to give into her master tendencies versus her desire to please the doctor by trying to do the right thing really gave her some depth. I love that in the end she tried to do the right thing, even if she failed. Sim's master obviously learned nothing from his experiences, but I really wouldn't expect anything else. As for his, ahem, interests in Missy, to quote Hank Hill from the cartoon King of the Hill, That boy ain't right. I did love his outfit, though. Very Delgado and Ainsley. Do I think we've seen the end of the Master? Not in a million years. We never got concrete confirmation that Missy is the incarnation directly after Sim, so the odds of there being at least one more incarnation in, po- in between is possible. If there's one thing Moffat does well, although it can also be frustrating, is creating openings for future stories. Nardole was not a full-time character, I really enjoyed his loyalty to the Doctor and his unflinching ability to tell the Doctor or anyone else what he thinks and put them in their place. I can see why River liked having him around. And what can I say about Bill? She's been an amazing companion. She found herself in a terrible situation, being converted into a Cyberman. 
but the fact that she was able to retain her humanity just shows how strong of a person she is. I really love the use of showing us how Bill saw herself, allowing Pearl to give a solid performance without the Cyberman face and voice to get in the way. I really wish she was staying on to bridge the transition to the next season and Doctor, but what we got I really enjoyed. Now, what can I say about Peter Capaldi? Kyle Anderson at the Nerdist equated Dr. Falls to a Western, like Rio Bravo or Shane. It ended up being about a small group of people and one man at the heart of it trying to preserve some semblance of decency in an otherwise chaotic, lawless world. And I couldn't agree more. Apparently there's even the use of a degulio or a bugle called traditional in Mexican culture and used in Western films a lot to signify impending death. Something I missed, but I will make sure to listen out for on my next viewing. Oh, yeah, the Cybermen horn. Oh, yeah. Every time they were coming. I hadn't thought of that. What do you guys think? Is that a dick whale? I I might have mispronounced that. What do you guys think of that Western analogy? It's interesting. I thought of that way. I kind of thought of a Walking Dead analogy where you're preparing the farm for the uh, invasion. So, yeah, it's... Western works too, though. Western works too. She continues, and I think with this story, that's a good comparison. The Doctor has been the one to do the right thing, no matter what the cost. His speech to Missy and the Master is one that will be remembered for a long time. It's right up there with his speech from the Zygon two-parter, if not more so since he was speaking to his best friend in the entire universe. The relationship between the Doctor and the Master has been rocky to say the least, but in the end, the Doctor will always try and find the best in every person because he knows what the worst is capable of. I was 50% sure that Capaldi might regenerate in this episode. We'd already had a fake-out regeneration in Lie of the Land, so I wasn't sure if Moffat would do that twice in one season. So I was semi-emotionally prepared for regeneration. And if he had, I would have to applaud Moffat and crew for pulling off such a big surprise. In this day and age, for the new Doctor to have been hired and regeneration been filmed would have been a huge accomplishment. I wouldn't have been happy about it, but I also would have been impressed. So as Bill came across the Doctor's lifeless body after blowing out all the other Cybermen sky high, I was in tears. And I don't mean a few tears. I mean full-out bawling. And Bill's reaction to finding the Doctor just made it even more emotional for me. Even after Bill reignited the Doctor with her, with her tears thanks to Heather, knew she would come back, The Doctor's fight to stay himself was heartbreaking. This incarnation has been brash, gruff, and standoffish. But when faced with death and regeneration, his reluctance to change show that he's likely finally found peace in who he is this time around. He's the first incarnation of a brand new regeneration cycle. So for him to encounter his very first incarnation at the Christmas special seems fitting in a way. And oh boy... I was I relieved when the first Doctor appeared on the screen. I'd been crying buckets, so when I heard the line, the original, you might say, I was overjoyed. I went from tears of sorrow to tears of laughter and joy. Heck, I even cried for a good five minutes after the episode ended. <laughs> the idea of Capaldi leaving, while we've known about it for a while, I guess it hasn't quite sunk in until now. I love, love, love Peter Capaldi as the Doctor. He's easily become my favorite New Era Doctor, so him leaving is hard for me to process. The fact that he isn't really leaving till Christmas gives me some more time to try and come to terms with this. I hope my feedback has made sense. 
even just thinking about the episode a day later to write this out is making me emotional again. Kudos to Stephen Moffat for a brilliantly written story. Until next time, Rachel. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Rachel. Our last bit of feedback this week comes from Chrissy. Chrissy writes, I'm my own companion. (laughs) Dear Vortex Boys, Yeah, it probably would have been more appropriate to save that subject line for Christmas, but I didn't want to forget it. (laughs) Far from being a flop, the Doctor Falls actually lived up to World Enough in Time, which, this season especially, far exceeded my expectations. Given how I've been a bit meh on Series 10, I'm glad they stuck the landing for the finale. Here are just some of my thoughts about this episode. Cyberman Bill. I wondered how they were going to incorporate Pearl Mackey into this episode, given that Bill was, well, not quite Bill anymore. But I love the way that they showed her as her human self to show the emotional state of realizing she's a Cyberman, and also to show that's how the Doctor and Nardle still see her. It's a simple idea, but it's also pretty clever. The Two Masters. I mentioned last week that I loved the brief interaction between John Sim and Michelle Gomez, and I'm just going to repeat that here, but times it by, like, a million. (laughs) These two were so good playing off each other as their respective versions of the Master. I could almost watch a whole spinoff with just those two being snark at each other, with Peter Capaldi off to the side to balance things a bit. Probably not going to happen, given how they both end up doing each other in, but it's an interesting thought. However, I do not buy for one second that the Master is gone for good. It's a running gag at this point with the Master. You think the character's been killed off for real, and then a season or two or four or five, the Master shows back up, possibly played by somebody else, with a convenient hand-waving explanation of how he survived. It's expected by now. So just wait until Chris Chibnall, or whoever, has a new idea for the Master, and he or she will return. Star-Eye Girl. Sorry, I forgot her name. Remember how last week I said that Jared is kind of a walking spoiler alert? A few hours before we even started watching the episode, he floated a theory that she was going to come back in the finale. And wonder of wonders, there she was at the end, bringing Bill back to life as not quite human, traveling through time and space. Sort of like Clara and a shielder, only without the TARDIS diner. It's a nice touch, certainly in keeping with the Moffat tradition of killing off companions but not really killing them off. So, I kind of had a thought it was going to happen. Not because of being spoiled by something I saw online, but because my husband is very good at guessing these things. And then there's the Doctor and the beginning of his regeneration, which actually started before the episode began, more or less. I think this idea is a nice compromise between regenerating the Doctor in the middle of the season and waiting until Christmas. This way, we get the surprise, kind of, but the production schedule still works that we don't actually get the new Doctor until later. Am I making sense? But now I'm very much looking forward to the Doctor and the Doctor playing off each other before 12 regenerates. I think it's because I've gained a new appreciation for the first Doctor in recent years, but to see him back in a new episode, after a fashion, is going to be really exciting. I loved an adventure in space and time. Then again, I I can't think of anyone who didn't like it. And it'll be fun to see David Bradley actually playing the first Doctor. See, she thinks so, too. (laughs) More than that, seeing Grumpy 1 and Grumpy 12 interact is going to be lots of fun. 
Given how 12 was all, I'm not going to regenerate, I wonder if the plot of the Christmas special is going to be some kind of take on It's a Wonderful Life. But instead of George Bailey being shown how much he's needed and loved by those around him, it'll be the Doctor realizing that regeneration is a part of Time Lord's existence, and something equally as sappy. I don't know, I'm just thinking out loud. That's that, good. That's actually very good, because like Moffat's it. been known for utilizing stuff and, and mimicking things, especially it's Christmassy type perfect things. perfect, yeah. is what it is. And, and especially with Moffat's recent comments of why the Doctor isn't wanting to regenerate. That, because there's a video, behind-the-scenes video, that if you go watch, it'll kind of give insight of why the uh, Moffat chose to go this direction. Remind me when we get into it, and I'll... I'll point to you can because I have I have I have stuff on that too. <laughs> Nardle, I sure hope the rest of the Cybermen on that colony ship don't get him. Though given how well he defended that little farmhouse and those kids, I think he's going to be okay. He certainly surprised me by the end of the season, and I admit I'm going to miss him. Anyway, those are my thoughts on this episode. I'm still working out how I feel about the seasons as a whole. But I think I'll save that analysis for the next five-ish fangirls. Shameless plug. I'll close up my feedback here and let you all discuss your thoughts. Have a good one, and happy 4th of July to you guys and my fellow American listeners. Take care. Chrissy. Thank you, Chrissy. Thank you, Chrissy. Thank you, Chrissy. And that's it for feedback. Heather was the pilot's name, by the way. Yes, it was. Okay. Should we talk about our reviews? Let's do it. I loved it. Wait, I got a synopsis. Oh. <laughs> I loved it. Oh. Without, oh. You love my synopsis? Thank you. I love your synopsis. Without hope, without witness, without reward, the Mondasian Cybermen are on the rise. It's time for the Doctor's final battle. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> no dun-dun-dun out of you there, Sean. You're still stewing how, how, over how, it. How, how big of a bump-bump-bump would I, you give I it? can't even give one because it'd be so big I'd wake the baby up. <laughs> I did not love it as much as World Enough in Time. I think it. I, I agree but with. Still loved it. I thoroughly enjoyed most of it. <laughs> I think okay. I agreed with either Rachel or no, it was Chrissy who said I think they stick the they stuck the landing on this, and I don't think it was. I think it was as good as last week. In fact, this as one episode, just sitting down back to back watching it. There's no to me. There's no up or down I think did it you would go just back and be, rewatch I did not did well not. I take that back Holly I watched the last third of it because Holly was catching up because remember she was behind by yeah. a couple episodes so <laughs> I did go back and rewatch it and aside not right next back to back but close and aside we watched she she got up watched Sunday morning knowing that we were going to watch no she got up and watched Saturday morning knowing we were going to watch Saturday night, night or potentially watch Saturday night and so I went in there and, and it was just probably prior to Razor and, and Bill going into the operating room and all I said I really like Mr. Razor he could be a companion I just I think they keep this guy around <laughs> I just bit my tongue because I knew what was coming in like less than five minutes and, and so uh, what was her reaction she's just, and Dan? She, she said are you kidding me and I said yeah I still quite liked him I would have rather have had him um, anyway, that being said, so yeah, I, I just there was no to me. These are two 
I don't want to say they're perfect stories. There are obviously little tiny things about them that I, I can go into, and I'll, I'll talk about one of them specifically. That's not even that big of a deal. But these are two stories that I watch back to back as one coherent story, and just there's no, I, I love them both. They're so good. I like Chrissy's analogy about the Western town, and as, as I had alluded to, I kind of, I had that whole, or Rachel, I had that whole idea of barricading the house for against, you know, the, the zombie invasion that's coming, kind of like they did in a Walking Dead se- uh, season. And so I just thought that was a very clever allegory or, or a way to do it. And what, let me, t- I, I just liked it. I just, there's so many good things. The interchange between, I think I'm, I'm going to echo what everybody else was saying. The interchange between Master and Misty were incredible. Um, I loved that interplay. I thought they played off of each other so well. I said it last week. I think my prediction was that Missy was going to redeem herself. She was going to end up killing yeah. the ma- halfway called that and was pleasantly surprised when the master shot her back because <laughs> I thought I nailed this and I didn't because as I thought about it and I thought, Oh, I think that's what's going to happen. I'm pretty sure that's what's going to happen. And so it was playing out. I thought, Oh, was that too predictable? And then when he turned around and shot her with the full dose, then I thought, nice job. Because I had fallen for that whole, I think this is how it's going to go, because that's how I wanted it to go. Still some fireworks going off in this neighborhood. Sixth. (laughs) That's not like the uh, mortar shell must hit your house. There were some holes that we wondered what came from on the siding. Now I think I know for sure. what it was. Anyway, thinking I nailed that and then being pleasantly surprised, that was great. That was great. It was a really fantastic, because I thought that as, as we walked all the way up to that moment and then it happened, I was like, oh, here's Glenn. Hey, Glenn's, yeah, he's going to be really happy over this. is great. And then the master, John Sim, and I just went, oh, bravo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well played. I did, too. Why didn't I see that coming? That's the obvious <laughs> yeah, thing. <exactly>. Yes. <laughs> that seemed more obvious than the prediction <laughs> I'd made. And then having the top-down shot of John Sim going down the elevator and not actually seeing the re- regeneration, I kind of liked that because I kind of, I don't remember who said this in their uh, uh, feedback, but I kind of felt that, yeah, I don't think he's really gone. The master's not really gone. I mean, Missy never gets up, so that could be the last that we see of her. No, they've pulled stuff off before where they've, they've pulled that. But seeing the last shot of John Sims' master laughing as he goes down the elevator, because you know he's not dead. He's going to regenerate into Missy. Maybe not then, so they could use John Sim yeah. later down the line if they wanted, but we do know that he's he lives on. It's Missy's the tragic story there because we don't know what her future is, mm-hmm. and we see her die from a full blast, as the master describes, so we assume that's it. Well, and then, that's, and that's then the explosion after the fact, the entire floor went up. Think about this, though. We see her hit. We see her pass out in the grass next to the elevator, which is where Nardle and all the people were going. Yeah. So maybe mm. they picked her up and carried her up a floor and perhaps, got her out of there. Perhaps. Yeah. But what's so, what's so great about even... Assuming she is killed, what's so great about it is the fact that she did have the kind of have the redemption that she was building towards, that she didn't slide completely backwards. Unfortunately, the doctor didn't know it. Yeah, yeah, that's and the that's, tragedy. That that makes it tragedy. even more tragic. <laughs> she became a good person just to die, and the doctor never found out. I think the the, the two master aspect of the story is my absolute favorite part of it. Yeah, absolute I would, I would favorite. Agree. I would agree with that. 
but also I, I, I wondered how they were going to do Pearl Mackey in this because I thought the same thing. It was She's fully converted. How are we going to pull that off? And that was a neat. In fact, they kind of tricked me at the beginning because when the little girl's standing out in the field and they they're showing the uh, Cyberman scarecrow things hanging mm-hmm. there, I thought it was something in her mind, and that was her as a little girl. I thought so, I too. Thought so too. And that was a nice play because I thought, oh, I know where this is going, and then it wasn't. She was actually a little girl <laughs> on a higher level, and I thought, wow, this is really, really well constructed. Um, but I kept thinking in the back of my mind, are they going to have Pearl Mackey in a mask this whole time? I mean, that's kind of weird for her if this is indeed her final episode. And so to do the thing where they they were afraid of her and, you know, they were being real kind of, you know, walking around on eggshells around her and being very cautious and her not understanding. I kind of caught on early before they even showed her the mirror that, yeah. I oh, she yeah. perceives it this way as Clara did as the Dalek in uh, mm-hmm. the uh, um, Asylum, Asylum of the Daleks, and I thought this is really kind of a neat way to do it to give Pearl some you know space, some acting ability, some you know sc- screen time for lack of a better word, but oh, yeah. also she realized that she is still you know this abomination. She is, so. she is fighting it, yeah. Um, and Rachel Talalay handled it so mm-hmm. perfectly, yeah. Especially when she's getting worked up in that barn. And you have that shadow of the Cybermen mm-hmm. and her in front of it. Oh, it's such a cool image yeah. and such yeah. a great way to portray the entire Every situation. single, I mean, the episode was just, she's the best director ever for this show. Yeah. I mean, just, yeah. can we get a whole season with her? Fantastic. But the, every single transition from Bill to Cybermen Bill from a reaction shot to her walking across the room to the quick cuts back. I just the entire thing visually was so well done and amazingly put together. I concur. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I have made no bones about it this season. I love Nardle. I continue to love Nardle. And I love the fact that Nardle gets to be the hero at the end and gets to be the one that lives. I think that is fantastic. Nardle can go on and do his thing. I don't think you ever have to bring Nardle back. You could, but I don't think you ever need to. I don't think Nardle needs his own spinoff series. I'm not jockeying for that. But to have that nice ending for him to be that happy it, somewhat happy ending for him, you know, going on and, and helping these kids. I thought that was great. And I will, I will come out here that. and officially say, I am prepared to eat my words because <laughs> I have done a complete 180 on Nardle. Yay. I was so, and I, I don't know. I have to go back and maybe watch some of the earlier episodes to see if I still feel that way about him. But to go from where I was so displeased with him initially to so thoroughly enjoying him and, and happy for him and supporting him in these last couple of episodes. I'm, 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 I'm on Team Nardle. Well, and, and quite early on, when there wasn't enough of him in an episode, which, by the way, every episode this True. season, You're right. You're right. <laughs> um, where there wasn't enough of him to develop that character, there's no reason to kind of latch onto the character. But I think in the last half of this series, they've oh, really, they really ramped up his that role. character. Yeah. And so that, that was good. Um, let me talk about a few of the small, tiny little issues that I have with it. I was a little disheartened that we didn't at least get a mid-80s Cyberman. That would have been nice. You know, uh, I, I was okay with the fact that we didn't necessarily get uh, Moonbase or Tomb. 
Cybermen. Or even Invasion. Yeah, invade. Well, it, that's what I they're, wanted. They're is I wanted it because I wanted a yeah an Invasion or you know Earthshock Cybermen or something like that. I think they missed a, a tick there doing that. Um, we got Mondasian. We got the Cybus style. It's obviously they're not Cybus because they're not from Pete's world. But uh, but then we also got the, uh, the Nightmare in Silver, the Siberiad. I think is what yeah. they've been calling the yeah. newest version. So with the Iron Man chests. Yes. Um, but here's the deal: the way that they justified doing that, that was brilliant. Yeah. That took away every misconception that I was Jeez. really worried about. We're playing everybody's favorite game, Firework or Gunshot. <laughs> <laughs> firework, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that one too. But the, the way up. that they justified the fact that because of the time dilation, they've evolved downstairs, and that's why we have these. It wasn't some invading fleet of Cybermen yeah. coming in and trying to wipe out the Mondasian Cybermen. Or any Although the, the explanation also makes it feel like they almost shouldn't have been the Cybus style. That if it almost all should have been... Nightmare and Silver. No, the the, the Siberia had come out. But, we, but, but we, we have, have gotten in the next, the next Doctor was the Cyber style. That's true. Uh, Cybermen. So that obviously happened in their evolution. As was. Well, uh, well yeah, that's uh, what I'm saying. It's, time. Yeah, time, time, time has progressed so far under in, on that floor that... In theory, everybody should be upgraded to the Siberiad, is what I'm saying. That was my other thing. Is I had and a, why were there still? Uh, I, I, I liked yes. getting the glimpses. The other thing that that sort of bothered me as a fact is why? Yeah, why do we see Mondasi and Cybermen? Why are they still style around? Cybermen and around? And why does that one take flying? off? Yeah, that was a little. No, I, no, I that was no, 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 no. <laughs> because if you're upgrading to ones that can fly, it makes sense. Yes, but the, they shouldn't totally have. They sense. shouldn't have upgraded that soon. Yeah. and yeah, I didn't think we needed the. I didn't need, think we needed them coexisting. I liked seeing the different versions in the episode. I didn't think we needed to see them coexisting. Yeah, um, I my, didn't. I didn't love. I, I wish that the Cybermen were used as more than just an endless army of robots. That's my problem with it. We set up an amazing, ones. amazing, amazing beginning to the story for Cybermen, and they just completely drop it to make them mindless robots of an oncoming, endless uh, fear, the Walking Dead, of them coming. A, well, it, a it's not their story. It's, but they, it's, 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 it's a Bill's combo. story. It's it, not it their Bill's story. story. I would agree. It's not their story. And B... There's no need for that because ultimately that's what the Cybermen's MO are an invading force ready to convert. That's all you needed. Now, yes, it might have been nice had this been more of a cyber the second part had been more of a Cyberman story to see that evolution, it to find the motivations, balanced. to look in those. I think that would have been fine. But because of the story that was designed for this second part, it did not need that and it would have been too much for that. It would have been overkill, and you would have lost. This you would have should lost. Should have been the three-parter, not the stupid well, monks. Well, maybe so, but you would have lost a lot of that emotional impact it's, because I, I know. you have it's, lots of goodbyes in this. This—that's what this story is. It's a goodbye. It's a goodbye for Bill. It's a goodbye for Ma- Missy. It's a goodbye for the Doctor. It's a goodbye for Nardle, and it's a goodbye for Master to a certain point too. And and a lot of those goodbyes are left hanging in this, which I really liked. It built around the emotion of that. And it's also reunion for that was another thing that I absolutely loved about this is the fact that they brought Heather the pilot back. I think that I kind of concur with I think it was Scott that said um, he believed that it was interesting that well at any time if she's been watching Bill could have come back, 
But on the flip side of that, I think if she's been watching Bill, she needed to come back in Bill's most dire hour. And this was Bill's most dire hour. So yeah. I can kind of excuse it in that sense. But I love the fact that that was a complete surprise to me. I think earlier in the season, yeah. we had kind of suspected that Heather would come back. We kind of thought that. Well, that was the furthest thing from my mind. It was the at first episode, point. and we haven't got a reference since Exactly. Then. Yeah. And so I loved that. The the tragedy of that the is when she unmelted out of the puddle and I went, Oh, it's yeah. living fuel cell girl. And even Mel was like, <laughs> Who? From the first episode? Yeah. Oh, because it was, like you said, we kind of speculated that maybe she'd come back, but then it's been so long since episode one of the season now yeah. that, yeah, furthest thing from my mind. So it was quite the surprise to see her show up. That happening, though, brought to light in my mind something that now I'm getting a bit frustrated with is. We have only had, since Doctor Who returned in 2005, we've only had one that, companion get a somewhat happy ending. And she went through heck in order to get there but and, and leave and have go on to have at least a certain uh, sort of normality in her life. Now, she didn't because she joined Torchwood and she ended up, <laughs> you know, marrying Mickey and fighting <laughs> off evil anyway. But... We've, but, but we she we had Rose, agency. yeah, we had Rose that tragically was ripped from her own world and ended up in another world. Now that works out for she her. She got, ending. she did get somewhat of a happy. She she did and she didn't because she obviously came back. She got the doctor, but it wasn't quite her doctor. There's still a bit of a tragedy to it. Martha actually left on her own accord. Um, but then you turn around and you've got Donna, who, yes, she went back to normal life. But the tragedy of that is that she does not remember anything or can't remember anything of what happened to her in her adventures. And, her and that's a tragedy to me. Yeah, and her normal <laughs> life did kind of suck, although they won the lottery. So, Well, yeah. <laughs> they fixed it later. Um, Amy and Rory, even though they end up together and it's somewhat happy, they're back in another time where they're having to readjust their lives and live mm-hmm. a different way than they expected. And then you've got Clara who, yeah, she's off running around with Lady Me exploring the universe, but tragically she died. I mean, she died. That moment is frozen right now until she's ready to return to it, but she died. And now we've got Bill, who, yes, resurrected by Heather. It's a great, wonderful little fairy tale thing, but we don't have any companions that return to normal life anymore. And I think it's getting, it's almost like we're get, trying to get clever with, okay, how do we get the companion houses? And we have to make it so grand that we never get that normality ever again. And I think that I would like for once to see another companion return to normality. I'd almost go a little further and... And I, I brought up this issue at the end of last season that I didn't like that they brought Clara back and gave her a happy ending. I was satisfied with her death that that was true and right for the character. And while this wasn't true and right for Bill, the fact that Moffat snuck in a happy ending on the flimsiest of a plot line, yeah, it was established early on, but it was, so as we mentioned so far, long gone, I felt like, Oh, this is a as much as I like Bill, and it's not. It's an issue that is going on in society of them killing off gay characters, as isolating Doctor Who as a show, having a Cyberman kill another truly kill another companion. I was a little disappointed that she did get to live, even though I absolutely love Bill through the season. What Cyberman killed a companion? Well, technically, well, I mean, going back to Adric. Oh, oh, well, it uh, all wasn't of their fault. All of it. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yes. Yeah. So it's, it's, 
it's the Moffat of it. Because the Cybermen of, didn't kill a companion in this story. No. It was the blue guy that killed Bill. No, that's true. But <laughs> eventually she became a yes. Cyberman relation. Cyberman being right. involved in the yes. death. There you that's, go. That's there what I'm go. trying to I'll say. I'll give you that. Yeah. Because, but, yeah, technically the Cybermen were involved in Andrew's death, but they weren't really a cause. That's that true also. A, a spaceship hurtling towards Earth was the cause of Andrew's <laughs> yeah. death. But the fact that she got this happy ending traveling the universe. If last season he hadn't done the exact same thing... I would have been okay with this ending for Bill. I have to agree. I And that's my issue with... it's As much as I enjoyed the entire story and a lot of it, my issues with it are the repetitiveness of it. We have another companion, even if you don't count Danny, turn, and a black one at that, turned into a Cyberman who fights the programming and is strong enough to... F- overcome the cyber conversion and keep his emotions and then the last minute happy ending with Clara. This is now Bill. the third companion that has fought the cyber programming. I, I'm okay with Craig. <laughs> <laughs> I have even better understanding of Craig. What's the fourth character no. because the doctor fought the cyber programming in it's true. Nightmare and Silver. It's true. Yeah, you're right. Which is... I'm so frustrated. Moffat has a fixation with Cybermen. I that that occurred to me watching oh, this yeah. one too. Is he, is he, he continues to bring Cybermen back. Had it, and the fact poorly. <laughs> well, to some to some success, it's just when he brings the Cybermen into his. It at this point, it almost feels while he has brilliance. Other times, these times it feels like it's almost lazy writing. Well, I don't know what to do here. I'll do what I've been doing all along and bring something back to let her live and travel through time yeah see i don't have a problem with that because i love the fairy tale ending and i love the see, i love that element that's of the it. thing is i, I love think the it's amy just, and rory ending. It's, i love it, the river ending it's to me the clara and bill endings that to me though i recognize the fact that overall we've never had that satisfying walk away but i i i'm gonna go back to this because i liked how moffat did that i think that the romantic interest, the woman that, that potentially she loved and loved her, came back for her. And that's all I take away from that. And the, the lady, me, and, and See, Clara and I think, think is, a, is, is I think I would have similar liked... in tone, but it's, it's vastly different. Not to mention, I think that Moffat, you say, what do I do here? I think Moffat laid the ground well enough he, in the pilot I, by he... saying, I'm going to put this here. For something I'm going to get to here. And the, so that was planned out. That wasn't a, well, now lazy writing, what am I going to do? That's actually, to me, is very stylized writing in the fact that hey, I planted this from day one and I got there, you know, day 10. The day problem 12. is we're coming at it chronologically. I love the fact that Bill gets a happy ending. I, I'm ex- because I like the character and I liked her and Heather together. Okay, that satisfies the fanboy in me need for her to have something good happen. And isolating this season as itself, perfect. Because it had already happened with Clara, clumsily. When it shouldn't have. When it shouldn't have. That feels like it has cheapened this ending. And Moffat has a real problem. We've teased him, and there's, there's whole memes out there about Moffat killing characters, but he doesn't. He kills them only to bring them back. He killed Amy and brought her back. He killed Rory repeatedly and brought him back. He killed <laughs> River and brought her back. He killed uh, 
Danny and brought him back. Strax. He killed Clara and brought her back. He killed Strax and brought him back. He killed Bill and brought her back. It's a thing. He doesn't have the guts to kill off a character anymore. And I hate saying that because I like Moffat and I like Moffat's writing and I love the fairy tale stuff. But at some point in time, you've got to go, dude, enough's enough. Either kill him and make the emotional weight to it or don't. I don't think that's fair because he killed Danny and Danny stayed dead. Now, Danny came back in Clara's Clara's mind, but, well, he came back as a Cyberman and he fought the programming. So he he doesn't die. He doesn't stay dead. I suppose so. And in theory, there's a Cyber Danny out there. They're, they're all out there exploring. Their, and th- I want to say that there's room for that. My, See, my Who fandom is big enough to believe I, that I that's com- a great ending if I'm a companion that I get to go yeah, off. I, can, I, I completely agree with you guys, but I guess I'm just not that bothered by that. I think that's great. <laughs> Again, that's the fairy tale ending. And, and Here, you weren't here's, bothered by Clara's in the I wasn't. I wasn't. Yeah. And here's the thing is, is we are in this, and I'm not faulting you guys at all, but we're in this society where we feel like stories have to end in tragedy no. every time. And no, I disagree. I'm, I'm I don't, I don't so want every time. Sick I just want that. occasionally. But that's just it. I, I'm not saying that I'm faulting you on that because, yes, you're right. But I guess my thing is I would rather see the fairy tale ending every time than see any sort of tragedy for the, the sake of a story. I would agree with that you. That is if fine it wasn't, every once in a while. But. I would agree with you because I love the fairy tale ending. That's why the Matt Smith era is so good because it is a perfect little fairy tale but then we keep going back to it and we keep revisiting it and we keep trying to pull the rug out from underneath us so that we don't think we're getting the fairy tale ending even though well i've set it up so that you do well now you've kind of cheapened the fairy tale ending for me just See, give me the fairy tale here, let me be happy thing, about though, it in that it's because we're dealing with a uh, overarching season but in 26 seasons of classic doctor who Every story, with the exception of a handful, ended with a fairy tale ending. I mean, they all ended up good. They all ended up with a win at the end of the season. Yeah, at the end of a doctor's era, the doctor regenerates and we have some tragedy. But I mean, the doctor giving his life for Perry on Andrazani, that's Doctor Who. That's that's 51 years uh, or 53 years now of the endings are good the, the, there's well, hope there's there's vision there's and, beauty and that's there's, what it, there's that's what it dreaming, should be there's adventures there's there's further adventures i mean i agree that's what it should be and the companion deaths that do happen are still talked about to this day we still reference and, earth shock and held in such high I mean, regard and i'm always show. bringing up catalina and you're always bringing up <laughs> you are <laughs> I don't bring it up that often. You do. You, you talk about the Sarah Kingdom. That, those those Andrew, shocking deaths. That's that, it. That's the only deaths in and that's, the first 26-some well, years of 20, 30 maybe, years of Doctor Who. And maybe Perry, depending upon which way we go with it. <laughs> no, that's, there's, there's no depending on Perry. It is stated in there in the that when, when the uh, Chancellor tells the doctor what happened. That is right. canonical. I don't right. care. I don't care if you're out there on the fence of what happened to her. When it's stated in the show what happened, that's what that's happened. That's what happened. Yeah. But the, the reason that those character deaths are so potent is because they come at us and we weren't expecting them because of the traditional fairy tale. Leela gets to go off and marry the Chancellor Guard and Sarah gets to go home and live out her life. And, and the, the normalcy of so much of classic Who. So that when you hit us with a character death, even a death like Adric's, which... You know, I'm 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 not a fan. I don't like Adric as a character, but I'm still affected by his death because it's such a big moment. 
So now we've got into the new series and we've got all these new characters that are coming out and they're great characters and we're able to do so much more with them and grow and uh, expand on them as characters and uh, make them real people with families and do all this wonderful stuff. And then you take Donna's memory away and it's like, <gasps> I mean, bam, gut punch. That's huge. So then we get a couple more into it and then we're, we kill somebody and it's like, <gasps> Oh, but then they come back. Oh, okay, cool. Because it's science fiction. Nobody ever says dead in science fiction. But then you do that again and again and again I, again. I and can it be, see it where you're coming Yeah, I can see it, where you're coming it, from. It's become a trope now. And the more it happens, the less impact those deaths have. To the point where now it's kind of like, eh. Yeah. I didn't tear up at the loss of Bill. And I feel cheated like I maybe should have. I feel like I, I should have been more, as much as I enjoyed her... I feel like I should have been more visibly moved I think by the loss of her. What I liked about this one, though, is Bill didn't die-die. We got the the kill scene at the very beginning of the two parts. Oh, yeah, and then we get her... And then she's been cyber-converted. So Which I is think this worse. one, This I mean, one, really. well, but this one is that situational thing where she went on. Her life went on from that point. So I was a little more... I, that's different than... Uh, I mean, Clara, sure, she, she died two episodes early, but... Um, dead, dead, uh, and then we went on and, and if did I, the clever, you know, time thing, pulling uh, her out of the out of time. But with Bill, she never, she never dies, dies. Even when he's setting off the explosion to take out the Cybermen to give Nardole and the gang enough time to get up further floors, she doesn't die, die there. You don't see her die, die there. There, I mean, obviously Heather had something to do with that yeah. as well, but you, so. There's no death scene, death scene for her. Yeah, yeah and I would she, almost she, rather her life cease ceases to exist as it as was. It was yeah. But and I'd almost rather know that there's a Mondasian Cyberman Bill, Mondasian Cyberman Bill on this ship fighting other Cybermen, trying to protect those people upstairs instead of her going with Star-Eyed Girl. That would have been the noble ending, but then that's the Danny Pink thing too. Yeah, so well, that said, would be even but, more. But it would have been done me. better. <laughs> But but I don't I don't I don't, I don't want him I don't want Moffat to I don't want Moffat to write a story and go oh I didn't quite do that right and then do it again I don't want that's that. what it feels like he did well that's really what bit. I got out of this don't get me wrong I, I can see love that. the I fact can see that where she gets to go from. off with Heather I really like that I like the fact that Bill gets happiness I like the fact that but as a viewer it leaves me feeling unsatisfied because we've been there done that before. And maybe if he had killed off Clara and left her dead, I wouldn't have as big a problem with it now. But it just it just feels like it's one of those repetitive things. We're gonna we're gonna have to move on, or we're yeah. beating a dead horse. And I'm we're gonna have to agree to disagree because <laughs> I just I had no problem with. Going it. back to the Cybermen that that you brought up, that they became this um, wave of robots. I don't think that was the problem. I think it was the dispatching of the waves of robots that became a problem. The fact that they are rocketing up through the ceiling, through floor after floor after floor of the ship, is scary. It, it's an it is ominous an threat the entire moment. episode. And yes. the horn, and the here they come, and you know they're making no bones about it. They're not trying to be sneaky. They're letting you know they're coming. And oh man, that tension in that whole bit was great. And then here comes the army moving down the field, and okay, and then the doctor basically calls them pudding brains and we set off a whole bunch of pyrotechnics to blow them up and we've got cybermen on trampolines 
throwing them into the air, throwing them against bulkheads, blowing everything up. And you take the threat, this perceived threat, this ominous, overwhelming threat, and you dispatch it relatively easily in a big pyrotechnic display. It just it pulled the teeth out of the Cybermen for me. Now, you're right. It's not their story. It's the story of Bill and the Doctor and how they're coming to grips with this. But if you can defeat the monster that easily, eh, you, 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 you've removed the drama from it. And that was one of the other... I loved all of the fanboy stuff. I loved all, everything that everybody else loved. The Masters and, and the Doctor and, and Bill and the performances. And, and luckily, a lot of that, at least for me, overshadows these small issues. Right. The fanboy stuff was great. Maybe a little too much. At the end of the episode, when he started quoting every Doctor ever, it was kind of like, this is getting a little too self-serving. Well, we only got three, didn't we? Mm, yeah. It's, it I felt like there was three a bunch four, of them, but yeah, including I, the line I don't know. I'm the original. Think, I didn't oh, care. Yeah. At that point, I didn't care that it was self-serving. I mean, I'm just, <laughs> no, because the, the season's been very self-serving, and I just, I, it's still in the back of my mind. It's not a bothersome. It's just it it, it maybe a more of a worrisome of of how many I shouldn't worry about this. You know what? This is my show. This is Doctor Who. <laughs> you need to please me. But in the back of my mind, I have that little niggle that says, "Are we turning off new viewers? Are mm-hmm. we turn?" But I don't care. No, I mean, like I said, <laughs> keep keep pleasing me. Every time, every time they did something like that, the fanboy and he was like, eee! because it was great. It was a really cool thing. But I kind of, it's it's interesting because I feel like Moffat has, in his view of who history, he almost seems to distance himself from the '80s stories. Mm-hmm. He, he's kind of got a thing with avoiding them and talking about them, and just it's just. And when you look at those, those are the stories that, uh, as one of the British uh, things mentioned, that the series kind of tended to disappear up its own backside in a lot of the stories because they were being so self-referential back to stuff. And for somebody who avoids that, talking about that, he sure seems to do a lot of it. Well, not even so much until this season. I mean, he has done it. Don't get me wrong. Right. We, 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 we uh, relish the fanboy moments that have happened over the years, but it's really this season that I think he's... And I, I think it comes down to the fact that he realizes he's leaving and he's... Sure. He, I think it's a self-imposed exile. Uh, even Russell T. Davis, I think, had this to a point. They have this self-imposed exile of their fanboy when they're doing Doctor Who. Right. And I think that he's real like, this season, you know, he's just going to, like, unleash. And I think that's what he's done. So, I think so I, I'm, yeah. I've been very pleased with that. Like I said, I don't want to complain about those elements of it because I did really enjoy those parts. But I felt like the story kind of suffered because of it and because there were so much of what has come before. That's why I'm still up in the air about how I feel about it. I've, I've been going over this episode for... You know, the better part of this week now. And I keep coming down on, I really loved this stuff. This was great. This was fantastic. That speech that the doctor gives the masters. Mm -hmm. Absolutely phenomenal. The speech was great. All of the interplay between them was great. Nardle was great. Um, Like I said, even the the, the threat of the Cybermen and how they resolve with the time dilation. And we can't go back to the TARDIS. That was, I didn't even think of that. Just get in the elevator. No, because by the time you ride that elevator up, They've figured out TMAP and are mm-hmm. waiting for you. I mean, right. wow. There was so much of this to like. 
But then there were those little things that just kind of kept dragging me back out of it, going, mm. oh, I don't know how I feel about that. Then we get to the regeneration part at the end. And I'm of two minds on this because I'm still in denial. I'm still not ready for Capaldi to leave. So I'm watching this and I'm very emotional over him fighting it. And then I think back to the fact that this is the same doctor that shot a Time Lord and forced him to regenerate and said it was a case of the flu. And I'm just like, now I, I'm torn again. I don't know how I feel about the fact that you're holding on to this life so vehemently, but you callously disregard. And I had problems with it when that happened. But here's how I've kind of fixed that. I hope, and, and I, there's one more episode to go, so maybe this is not going to pan out. I'm hoping that Capaldi's arc, in one of Moffat's long-term stories, is moving him... The, the needle from callous and uncaring and not not uncaring but just unfamiliar with how to care maybe is a better way to put it and swinging him all the way to kind oh I think it is and, and if I we think can it's kind of, of think, get that complete arc that's just it that's it, that's been evident over the three years I mean we, he has already swung that pendulum the other way the other thing I think that we need to keep in mind and maybe I'm just taking something away from it that that's not there is I don't, this isn't a David Tennant, I don't want to go. This is a Peter uh, Capaldi, this is it, I'm done. Right. This is, I'm want to get yeah. off, I want to, like, so, who said it earlier, I want, I want to get, get off this Time Lord carousel. I don't as, think it's a him holding on to this because he doesn't still have that. In a pre, I think he doesn't want that. I regenerate and I start again and I go on for another X amount of years. I think, he I think is, if he thinks if he can hold on to this, he could finish this. This could be done. He's ready and to I, die. And yeah, yeah, and I think that's what the where the first doctor is going to play into this really well. I think so it's going too. to and that although, pull that pendulum even further. Right. I, so I read Moffat's comments about why he doesn't want to go and how it, it's painful, etc. Blah blah blah. But it wasn't until they uh, our, our feedbackers were sending it in that I it, that kind of clicked to me that he's suffered so much loss. He has lived far longer than he thought he should. Gone beyond regeneration. She he thought he should, and he's just ready to be done. He's ready to lie down and rest finally. Yeah. And well, he's so he's fighting that aspect of it. I think and he I hope also they lean into that. I think he also wants to own the pain. Yeah. Because that's the other thing is you regenerate, you come back with a new personality, a new outlook on life. And how many times have they forgotten so soon the last, you know, the seventh doctor doesn't mention Perry at all. I mean, you've even the sixth doctor after Perry's gone, I mean, he has kind of a, a conception of what happened to her, but there's not a lot of remorse for the previous Adventures or things that happened. I mean, we don't well, hear and, about Adric again in the once the Sixth Doctor. Well, pops I, th- up. I so, think of that scene in Day of the Doctor of them in that cell. The, the yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The boy, who, the man who forgets. Right. I think he wants to own that pain, and I think that that's another part of it. Take that, take that pain to the grave. Realize that you know, uh, you don't. Uh, not everybody gets that opportunity of the extra regenerations and or, or any re- no one gets the opportunity besides the time lord of regenerating in their life and becoming someone else and so uh, yeah i and think what it's, makes it work is hellbent 
Yeah, the, the yeah. fact that not only has he lived a lot longer than than he should have, or yeah. lived longer than he thought he was going to, I still fully believe that he retains all of the, the memories of the however however long he was in that confession dial. Moffat's already stated that he doesn't. I think because he does it, because it's copy after copy. It's it's he at least has conceptually understands it though. I think yeah. he understands the concept, but that's that's. We're getting existential here, but that's that's <laughs> years that he's not a part of. Even though he was a part of that, because it's a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy, that's only one instance for him in within his and, and scope that logically of is the way yeah. that it should work. But for me, I need it to be all of it because that's the only thing that justifies his actions in the next episode when he blows somebody away. Because if you were locked up for billions of years or however long it is and you get out and you're that angry, I can justify that. I can I can make that leap to go, he's frustrated, he remembers all of this, he knows all of this stuff. And then to get to this episode where he's that tired and that ready to let go because of all of the problems. In his mind, his best friend is gone. She turned his back on him and betrayed him. After everything that he did to try and make it work. Now, we know that she she did eventually you know wise up but he doesn't know that so he's got that saddled with him he's saddled with the fact that his current companion bill has been turned into a cyberman and for all accounts is either going to wind up dead or converted he's got that on his plate he doesn't know if the people survived on the farm he thinks maybe he bought him enough time to get off but he doesn't know all he knows is he wakes up in the TARDIS and he's regenerating again and he's back on that carousel. So I, in yeah, my mind, I, agree. I can make yeah. that fit if he's that old and he's that tired of, of going through all of this. And what good is it? Why should I bother being kind if this is what's going to happen? See, I don't happen. think you have to, 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 to justify the blowing somebody away in the same episode, Hillbent. I don't think it goes back to that, though. I, don't, I, think, I don't know well, if it stretches back that far. That's just, I mean, but... you can go all the way back to Night of the Doctor where he spent so many years on Christmas defending Christmas. I mean, that all works without having to say that, you know, billions of years that he survived in the uh, confession dial. I don't think you have to. We don't have to imprint that. I think there's enough baggage there in order to justify what you're saying. Well, and just in the 53 years, I think there's enough baggage in <laughs> yeah, general. Yeah. Even I mean, counting all that. Going all the way I mean. back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But so. David Bradley. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I'm super excited about that. I, 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 I thought that years ago when, when Adventure in oh, Space yeah, and we, Time came out, I, I we thought... We talked about it when we reviewed it. He so could come back and play the 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 um, first doctor is in doctor story and so i'm glad that they fulfilled that um i i've never been more excited for a next time on doctor who than i well, ever was for this time and i didn't get one so. <laughs> <laughs> and especially our lack of excitement for last christmas it's so yeah, nice to be yeah. excited for a Christmas episode yeah, again. That's just it. Is it? Is, is I I don't remember being excited for the last Christmas episode, and then well, obviously I didn't care too much for it. But this one, yeah, I just yeah. I am so stoked for it. And this goes back to the the fanboy in me is like, oh, David Bradley, first Doctor. Oh, this is going to be great. The plot part of me is like, are we going to wind up? cheapening Capaldi's regeneration by shoehorning in a multi-doctor story. 
Oh, and now the news that we've got Clara coming back as well. It's kind of like well, I think well, we kind of. I, I think that I think the Clara thing is 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 will serve the story well because I think that will give us that emotion and that in that that heart and that impact in that area. I think that that's what that will lend to it because I kind of see the first doctor being the one that kind of helps him through this because the first doctor's never at this point the first doctor hasn't gone through this and of course he won't have any memory of it because when they're together the timelines are out of sync and that doesn't work that way so i i think that clever if they're really clever about it and moffat has done it before um they could utilize clara in such a way that it won't cheapen this it'll be as impactful even though i think it was clara will have a bigger scene it'll be as impactful i think to me as the the scene with matt smith before he leaves when amy returns yeah and it's just a visual of her you know i mean she does say something but um i think they can make it work i'm not i, I'm not I hope worried. so I, maybe i'm being way too i i'm usually the opti- or pessimist you're usually the optimist so i suppose we've switched shoes here i just hope so i mean it's too too far away to really say one way or the other so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna dwell on it yeah. i hope it turns out as good as it could be and as you know, if this winds up being it's a wonderful life, what better way for Moffat to go out from doing a Christmas Carol with his first one to it's a wonderful life for the next, for the yeah. last? Okay, I'm totally on board with that. Uh, I'm stoked that Rachel Talele's be directing directed it as well, yeah. too. So. Yeah, or we, has we, directed it. I suppose they've wrapped now. So, do we think that this is the first Doctor? in the Antarctic after he wanders away from Ben and Polly before I'm he gets to the TARDIS yeah. that this is when that's yes. going to be inserted that, in fact I think that's where the doctor is, is I think because he's, he's got the he's hat the, he's so the at, dress is the same yeah, he's, I think he's at Antarctica yeah uh, I did want to before we wrap things up I did want to uh, one point that you were going on eloquently about the awesomeness of the master and we don't know I love the idea that that's why there's been so much mystery about Missy is that she doesn't remember how she became a woman because the timelines are out of sync because yeah, she caused because, herself to regenerate a previous version. Yeah. I love that idea. So I kind of hope that there isn't an incarnation in between the two because that is such a cool idea. Yeah. I don't think there will be. I think by the time part of it is Missy, I think is playing Oh, the timelines are to sync. It's a convenient write-off for for but it's us going. Well, how come you don't remember? So it's but, convenient. But we, but we but have I the same ex- also, explanation for. There's the precedent doctor. for it, though. There is precedent. There's precedent. For it. Yeah, for absolutely. It. It, I didn't need that explanation because of the precedent. Yeah, right. exactly. Now I'm glad that they reiterated it because if you've got new viewers that might wonder yes. why, yeah. then then that would be or or a reminder for people that aren't maybe as steeped in it as we are. But yeah. whether she remembers or not is, she, is really immaterial. I think between him, his comment that I'm worried about my future, that pretty much in, sets in stone that she is she's some version after yeah. him. Well, and but, then yeah, the fact that she's willing to kill him to bring about at least her eventual come around, whether there's one in there or not. I, I just kind of like the idea that it goes Sam Gomez. I'm fine. My, my question about that is though: is do you think that the, the, the did the master lure them there, or was that fortuitous that they showed up there and he was able to observe them? For I got, I 10 got the years. impression that it was fortuitous because he got stuck. I did too, and and I like that idea because while if Missy had survived, she would remember their meeting, but yes. because he's a previous version, when he returns to his 
synced timeline, his sync timeline, he would not remember that. Just as John Hurt did not remember, well, when he became Christopher Eccleston, did not remember the events of the fact that what really happened when he uh, initiated the moment. So, and I loved, loved, loved. I know other people are going to have problems with it. I loved the Bill and Ted (laughs) logic of. Once upon a time, this scary woman threw me against a wall and threatened if I never had an extra <laughs> generation. So, oh, look, there's one in my pocket. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just... A, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just real quick, the, the other thing that is a really minor thing is what I'm maybe a little dismayed by, and Moffat has led, left loose ends before, and I don't expect him to tie anything up before he gets, <laughs> gets out the door, but... The duck pond. I uh, yeah, I don't care about the I don't care about the dang duck pond. I can't believe people dwell on the dang duck pond. Anyway, the monks. I had postulated the fact that perhaps Missy was working with the monks, and that didn't come to fruition, which is fine. I'm okay with that. But one of the things that I felt needed to be answered because I thought that Missy was working with the monks is the fact that the poison that Nardle inhales and then exhales is when he goes into the when he passes out in the TARDIS and he goes into the console I thought was going to be the explainer for why the TARDIS goes wonky and takes Nardle back to Earth and when he picks up Missy that's never explained why number one why did the TARDIS return to Earth and number two what effect does that um, pathogen have on the TARDIS when it's going all crazy there in the middle of, uh, uh, or at the very end of Pyramid at the End of the World? And maybe I don't think doesn't. that's ever been maybe, maybe the gas escapes, makes the TARDIS go, and the TARDIS goes, I need help, and flies off to get... Well, I'm not asking for headcanon. I'm asking, <laughs> why did Moffat do... Why is that in implanted in there if at this point we're not going to... I mean, he's only got one more chance to explain that, and I don't see that happening in the Christmas special. One thing that it did do for me is the line when he tells Bill, all that time living under the monks, you fortified your sense of self, you know who you are, that's why you're... That almost <laughs> redeems that whole episode. Yeah. Because yeah. just the fact that it... Mm, that's a good point. I it justifies. That. Yeah, okay. that's a good point. I, all right. I, I think you just kind of have to take at least Nardle's explanation of how he survives at face value. Uh, in the... the the virus that he inhaled. Yeah, I don't, I don't care about Nardle's effect. Well, I, I want to know why, that... why Why does the gas seep out of him into the TARDIS and the TARDIS starts going... Just to show how then we cut away. gas is. <laughs> well, that's just it. No, yeah, it's, None yeah. of that works for me. Nardle's explanation I, I for survival was fine. An that didn't, for the TARDIS. That's either. just it. I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm I okay with was. that. I, I'm, I'm, Nardle obviously is not all human. I mean, he's obviously got some <laughs> human parts, but he's not all human. I'd like to know more about Nardle, and I think that that's nice that we've left it open. I, again, I don't want a Nardle spinoff. I don't. Want, should a, should Nardle return finish. in? Well, should Nardle return for a one-off in you know three years during Chibnall's era? I would thoroughly welcome that. I don't want to see him return necessarily as a recurring companion, but should he return in a special episode and and Chibnall gives his little spin on what's going on with Nardle, I'd be fine with that. I think it's great. I guess that's another problem that I have is not so much Nardle's finale, but the people on the farm. Okay, we escaped five levels up. We bought some time. Okay, now what? You're still on a ship full of Cybermen that are evolving faster than you are. Now what? And I feel like they just kind of went, well, we're done talking about that part of it because we gave you this. And I was like, but 
Well, I think that's one of those things where you can. Yeah. You, it's. I think that the the writer is leaving it up to your imagination that Nardle survives. Nardle gets to go on. There's still hope. Martin Nardle might figure out a way to get them off the ship. I'm fine with that. There's hope. There is hope. Where there's hope. Any other thoughts? I don't think I don't so. Think so. What do we got coming up on the schedule, Sean? Well, if you are following along with our Friday night Who Watch Longs now at 10.30, this week we are doing Awakening with Peter Davidson, Fifth Doctor episode. Uh, so again, 10.30 this Friday. And then our show next week, with no new Who to talk about, we will be discussing the first and probably only season of Class, the Doctor Who spinoff that just aired just recently. So we'll give you our thoughts on that. All right, and before we leave you, I just want to let you know you can find us at TravelingTheVortex.com. While you're there, consider becoming a patron of the podcast. On the right-hand side of the page, you'll find a button that'll take you to another page where you can support us on Patreon. Uh, any amount is welcome. 100% of all donations go right back into this podcast. Also, there are links to other retail sites there. A portion of those proceeds go into this show as well. And you can purchase podcast merchandise from our Traveling the Vortex spread shirt store you can find a link to that on our website as well keith how can they contact us go on while you're on the website just fill out the send us feedback tab or reach out to us on any form of social media we're on all of them all right that's going to do it for this week until next week i'm glenn i'm sean i'm keith cheers good night everybody be seeing you thanks for listening you have been listening to traveling the vortex Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.